Hello world, welcome to the High Paying Bastards. We are your hosts, Ian and Ari. Here we will discuss anything related to video game culture, so please take a seat and join us. Let's go ahead and get our podcast started. Ari, happy to be here as always. Excellent. You know, Ian, we were just talking right before the podcast started. Let's just go ahead and continue with that particular discussion about how Sony removed digitally owned contents of its subscribers in Discovery. Yeah. And I know I've talked to you about this before. It's one of the reasons why I just, I can't stand quote unquote owning digital media, right? Because you don't actually own it. You're renting or borrowing the rights to said media. Um, it's part of the reason why I prefer physical and ha- like having physical games over digital games. Exactly. I'm looking at the article from IGN. Um, Sony pulls discovery videos PlayStation users already own, sparking concern over our digital future. I'm not a PS player. Or I don't have any subscription to the PlayStation or any of Sony's product. That's why I did not know beforehand. But it seems like not a very fair thing to do, especially because people have to buy a couple of these content individually. They have already had it, and then now suddenly it's gone. Now, if it was like Netflix situation where you pay a monthly subscription, but you get to observe all the content that you want to, but then later on, if the licensing allows them to remove it, that's fine, right? I mean, that's not an extra charge or anything, but this one seems like something that people had paid specifically for has been being taken away. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's true. But I mean, honestly, it's why I fucking hate Netflix and Hulu and shit too. <laughs> I just, I don't like the concept of losing shit. And and I know that they're they're removing titles to make room, make space and room to add other titles and stuff in there. Like I get that, but I just, if, if I'm paying for something, I, I want it. You know, I, I still go out and buy DVDs of movies, um, and you're one, of the, you're one of the good ones. Yeah. You're one of the good ones, man. <laughs> Keeping the dead media alive. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, like Elden Ring, for instance, right? I knew it was a game that I would really enjoy and I do really enjoy. I've actually gone back and started playing it again. Uh, surprise, surprise. Um, I bought that physical. I also bought it digital as well. And sure, I'm paying for it twice. And I, I wish there was something that they could do to cut, kind of cut that down. Like if you bought the disc version, you could upload a patch or something like that. So you wouldn't have to swap discs all the time because I'm honestly a lazy fuck and I hate doing that. It's one of the reasons why I buy digital. But um, I, I think supporting like those developers on a game that they did really well, like buying it twice is, isn't really an issue to me. Yeah, I think one of the issues also, you know, I want to one day pass down my Elden Ring to my children and grandchildren. I can't do that with, you know, digital copy. That's not fair. Yeah, eventually, you know, they'll shut servers down. You won't have access to it. We've already seen Xbox doing that quite a bit, taking games off of their Game Pass. I mean, Sony does it too. You just don't hear as much backlash from Sony. Yeah. It's also the crazy part about the tech industry right now is that it's not prioritizing ownership more than subscribing to something or sharing something and it just feels like it's a dystopian type of economy that i did not plan on seeing like you know later on down the road you're not really owning anything just subscribing yeah than anything else you don't really have a ownership of like you know property or anything you're just subscribing where you live you're subscribing what you wear you're subscribing what you eat all these kind of things it's just 
I don't know. This is the weirdest kind of dystopia that I feel like we're going towards. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, the better kind of dystopia, which is like in Brave New World where everybody's eating drugs and having orgies. That's the kind of dystopia I would prefer. You know, I'm a humble man, but still. Um, yeah, it's... <laughs> it, I mean, we, we know why they're incentivizing to go with the subscription-based thing. And that's a money constantly, right? It's constant income for them. It's why BMW is charging you a subscription to turn on your heated seats. And also, I think it's not even cheap on their side. They have to pay licensing. If they're doing a content uh, subscription, they have to pay a licensing fee that has to be perennially updated and kind of renegotiated again and again. I don't really think it's good for these content providers in the long run. And it is definitely not good for us content consumers, even in the short term. Yeah, it's just kind of throwing your money out of the way. Speaking of subscribing, hey, why don't you subscribe to the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) I did not see that coming. I did not see that coming. (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) Yeah, right? You like how I just kind of throw it in there? Um, All right, I want to get off the subscription stuff because, I mean, it's honestly just depresses me. (laughs) Yeah, I know, I know. I I agree with you. So let's move on to the first news. Why did you take it away? Um, so I guess one of the first articles I came up to you with some more depressing news on Blizzard's part, um, they're sending out a survey to fans, um, because they want feedback on the acceptability of 50, 70, 80 and $100 prices for Diablo 4 add-ons. What the fuck? You know, they wanted feedback. I think they got a pretty good feedback, even without having the survey takers. They can just read the comments on a couple of these articles. They'll have their feedback. And the overall feedback just has been negative. Yeah. It's not gone very well with people. Well, especially because the state that the Diablo 4 released in. I don't. Did you play it on release, Ari? No, I did not play on the release. But I understand like they had kind of developed the game based upon the fact that they will be releasing contents using season passes. Yeah, but the the, the problem was was when it first released, it just it wasn't good. Um, I, why play Diablo Four when you got Path of Exile out there? You know, Path of Exile is a lot more intricate, and I know people like that one kind of a lot more. Diablo Four is kind of the more simplified version of that. Um, but I it didn't hit its mark. It's, it wasn't as good as like three, but of course three took a while to get there. But th- this, you know, 50, 70, 80, $100 DLC and stuff, which is going to include different amounts of the premium currency that they use for purchasing skins. I mean, it's just, it's, so you're buying coins and shit. I mean, it's live service game. Agreed. And I think as looking to this article from the tryhardguides.com that you posted, based upon the premium that you pay, it also sounds like a couple of these $100 compared to 80 or 70 or 50 has more specific type of uh, reward or legendary equipments and et cetera that allows for a lot of players to have an edge against those who do not pay this amount. So it's basically going towards like a pay-to-win kind of scenario too. If this is actually true because you know Blizzard has not come out and actually refuted any of these yet or have responded to what this survey was. So we don't really have their side of the story yet. Yeah, which is horseshit, as we all know. Yeah. I mean, don't they already have a negative review based upon their microtransaction that they have been doing so far and wanting to throw something out like this? It doesn't seem like a, a good idea. Yeah, it seems like it's done in bad faith. I mean, Blizzard, honestly, in my own opinion, it's 
been going down for quite some time and on ever since the what was it diablo immortal the mobile game where come on guys don't you have phones like since that and i mean even before that the shit's just gone downhill and everything's about monetizing for them yeah i mean blizzard used to have expansion packs even back then it used to have the subscription and expansion pack but what my understanding was that back in the day you paid 30 dollars for like a wow uh expansion pack but it will last for about two years worth of content. So you could get quite a bit of, you know, entertainment out of that $30 expansion pack without counting, of course, your you know monthly subscription and stuff. That's how they used to do it. It doesn't seem like that they have their heart in the right place for releasing this shit. It was they had a lot of issues with Diablo 4 first came out. Um, it was still bad even after the first season. I think the from what I've been hearing even the the second and third season, which I don't I don't know where they're at right now. I think they're on the second season, but I've heard that it's not that great. But the fourth season, which Vessel of Hatred, it looks like, yeah, um, is supposed to be good. Which I think this is what they're trying to price out how much they want you to pay for this Vessel of Hatred shit. So we'll see. But it's such an unnatural thing to have an expansion pack cost more than the original game itself. For sure. You can't have an expansion pack costing you about $100 while I understand it has like some premium content or whatever, but even $50, which is like, you know, more than two thirds of the original price of like 60 or 70 bucks. That's just like, it's like you're buying a new game, but not really. You're basically getting the same game. It's just like, you know, rest of the game that you had already bought. That's what it feels like. Yeah. And that's, I think that's where like my issue with it is, is that you're, you're paying either for a, a new game or more and all it is is just an add-on to Diablo 4 so it's like is it really worth that much content yeah yeah I mean after all is said again like you know, Blizzard has not really responded to these survey rumors so it would be kind of good to know what their response to it would be but I've kind of scoured all over on these articles that I could find but Blizzard themselves have not really responded anything to it they have not confirmed whether this survey is true or not or, you know, whether like they were planning on this price mechanism or whether the next DLC was going to have these kind of contents and et cetera, but our pay to win kind of structure that a lot of rumors are going around to be. So they haven't already confirmed anything on that end. So it would be nice to kind of hear what their actual response is. But if they're looking for feedback from a survey... Well, congratulations to them because they definitely found a feedback and it's negative. So I hope they don't do it because, you know, there was a negative feedback. That's what feedback is supposed to be taken as, right? Yeah. I mean, like I said, we'll, we'll see when it comes out. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. All right. Let's, well, moving on then. Uh, so GameSpot, uh, just released a documentary kind of chronicling their overall, uh, experience with how CDPR has been working since the uh, Cyberpunk 2077 was originally released back in December 2020 and what was the overall backlash. And they kind of gave a what looks like a, a PR piece for the CD Project Red. And it is not a bad document. That's not to say it's a bad documentary, in my opinion. There are some really good parts about it that I thought was pretty interesting, but it was definitely very much, you know, less about how consumers were reacting to the CD Projekt Red's uh, release of original Cyberpunk 2077 versus like how the internal game developers were experiencing from the backlash. 
So that was the original kind of intention. And also it was being shot at the background of Cyberpunk 2077, Phantom Liberty's release in September this year. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't get a chance to look at the whole documentary, but I did look watch some of it. And it from what you said, it's spot on. It seems more like a PR piece of like, oh, hey, we know Cyberpunk didn't release in the greatest state, but look how we're, you know, how we're making it better and stuff, which to be fair, they have done a lot with that game. I don't, I, I've, I'm a real mixed feelings with this game. Ari, I don't know about you. Definitely. I mean, after watching the documentary, I did feel a lot of, you know, sympathy for these, like, you know, CD Projekt Red is, when they were swing to the document, they're a pretty small company. And when they were doing this documentary, most of the people that were talking were not, you know, executives or anything like that. They were just developers, people in the PR, like a little bit lower or middle to like, you know, lower management kind of people who were kind of feeling like, you know, how they were personally affected by disappointing their fans and not living up to the expectation of what, you know, their uh, their players what, had for them. Well, and, not just what the players had for them, but also what they told us we were going to get. Yep, exactly. No, you're <laughs> right. And they did not meet their own expectation too. And oftentimes, you know, it's easy to kind of, for us, people like us, to kind of sit back and criticize a piece of shit of a game that really is like with the full of bugs and just disappointed hopes. But I, I can always imagine it's even harder to take it as somebody who thought they were better than that. And overall in the documentary, it was a pretty kind of fresh look in the beginning part of like you know, how they felt and what were their immediate reaction to it, how they wanted to kind of like, you know, repair the whole thing and et cetera. And yes, overall, you know, through patches after patches and the fact that they did not give up on fixing this game, they were able to repair it to a state where it's a lot better than it was. And, but as I was watching this documentary and as Phantom Liberties now have already come out to pretty good reviews and et cetera, I'm thinking, look at this. Like if you had actually released a proper full game in the beginning, imagine how much more of the content you would have been able to add by now like, look at the opportunity cost of having to spend all your resource in fixing a broken game versus making what a good game could have been and expanding that good game. Exactly. You know, right. um, that's that hits it right on the head, dude. Like, you spent all this money, all this time now fixing it, which from the state that it was originally released in, it I don't know if you've gone back to it at all, Ari, but it does feel extremely different. They reworked the whole perk tree. The perks are vastly different now. It is it is almost a different looking game uh, from when it, especially from when it first released. Um, I'm almost tempted to actually restart it just so I can try to learn everything and everything that they have changed from the beginning. Um, but I'm currently on Monster Hunter right now, so I'll get to it when I get to it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, somebody needs to bring some another like cybernetic brain in my head to make me forget what has already happened in that game and then to make me go and play it again. But I will give this game another shot, definitely a little bit down the road, not immediately, to be really honest. I'm probably going to wait a lot, a little bit longer when I have a lot more room on what I want to play and then go back to playing this game because it is, it was a very bitter pill to swallow when it came out because this was the game that I was really waiting for. And a lot of people were waiting for it. And I'm glad that a lot of people have kind of uh, decided to forgive 
and forget and try to enjoy this new experience. They're better people than I am, I'll be honest. But for me, it will take a little bit more time to go back to it. And I was also looking at the uh, Q3 2023 earnings, that presentation that CDPR had released. And looking at like how many resources they're devoting, I think their main focus is about to switch towards The Witcher 4 more than anything else. So they'll be focusing on that, but they still have significant amount of resources still focusing on the Cyberpunk 2077 and Phantom Liberty area. But again, it's the opportunity cost for me. Like imagine if this game had come out proper and intact, how many more Phantom Liberties we could have experienced by now rather than just one. Yeah, I mean, they could have. we could have seen a lot more added to this game, but instead they had the dedicate a lot of time to fixing um everything that was just screwed up with it which is unfortunate but i mean i want to get back into it because i want to check it out i love the music in it i mean it's one of the things that really draws me to the game is just the music is such a fucking banger dude they're all bangers in that game it really sets the mood and just fucking get your blood pumping ready to you know blast some heads with a shotgun it's so dope I was watching that uh, Cyberpunk Edge Runner uh, 2077 Edge Runner anime that was that is in Netflix, and that thing is really good. Like when I first watched that anime, I was like, "Wow, this is the world that game should have been like." Rather than what I got, mm-hmm. and all the music that they use in Edge Runner is actually music from the game itself. That's the that like yeah, that's all like you know. I was like really interesting kind of watch, and it has so many endearing characters and etc. But overall, like you know, yeah, good for them, you know. I'm glad a lot of people are recept- receiving the uh, Phantom Liberty with a lot more positive attitude. And I hope like you know, the next game, they've learned the lessons. And definitely, I hope a lot more companies learn the lesson that, no, it is not a good idea to just send out a absolutely bug riddled or like an incomplete game and then work it on post because they don't realize that there is a huge amount of opportunity cost to it. You're losing a lot of resources trying to fix it. And you're losing a lot of potential content you could have made with that game. Like, I know it's not as a tradition to maybe for a AAA studio to just release a bad game and then fix it post. But they need to understand it costs a lot to themselves, their own margins, if they try to do that. That is my understanding from this situation. So I would I would agree with some of the things you say, but we're seeing this more and more. Um, there's tons of games that are getting released and they're just so shitty, dude. And sometimes they're not even fixing them in post. I think the reason why CDPR had to go so hard with fixing it is because they're not a big studio. You know what I mean? And that's kind of where the, you know, us as consumers, we, we thought they, they were different because they were a smaller studio. So they'd be able to deliver more on what they promised. Um, unfortunately we didn't get that. However, they have put it back into a state where they have finally delivered on it. It's only taken them, what, two years now or whatever. Um, But the problem is, is we're seeing a lot of these bigger studios, they're doing this shit time and time again, and they do not give a fuck. Once they have your money, they don't care. Like, I understand this is what they're doing now, but they need to see an extreme case of releasing a bad product and then fixing post or even not fixing post because it there's an actual cost to it of how much they can lose out of it. That's what I'm hoping is that they see. It's like, you know, this opportunity cost that there is in releasing kind of a buggy game and then fixing in post kind of situation. Yeah. One thing uh, on this documentary that I found a little bit interesting as well was they were talking about 
how is it that city uh, project red approach to solve a lot of their issues is by reorganization into this thing called the agile team where instead of like designers artists and programmers working separately they have some artists designer programmers working in one single strike team and trying to find from beginning to end all the solution to something like a certain content or question etc they have artist designer and programmer all coming together and repairing it now that kind of reminded me of uh, one of the really great team principal at formula one ross braun that's like how he used to operate these smaller racing teams like he would put aero team like aerodynamics engine and kind of tire team all together to kind of build like kind of car i was like that part was a little bit interesting i might i might cut this portion out but like that was like a really interesting thing to kind of watch. I was like, this is like goes back to my kind of corporate era. It's like, oh, wow, that's a, that's interesting. Let me see the more of the agile team that they're talking about. But I yeah. mean, like it makes sense that they would do that because then like when you have your art artists working with whoever in conjunction, they can go back to their, their art team and say, okay, this is kind of what we're leaning towards and they can kind of give them the vision to work on. Right. Well, good luck to CD Project Red. Witcher 4, when it comes out, it's not going to be, you know, suffering from the same kind of issues. Although I remember the first Witcher, not first Witcher, but like the Witcher 3 when it came out. It also had some bugs, but nothing as worse as we saw during Cyberpunk 2077. But, you know, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, so that like I heard that too. I didn't get Witcher 3 when it first came out. I think I got it like after the first DLC or maybe like the second one or something. So I didn't see the state that the Witcher 3 released in, but I heard it wasn't good. Yeah, yeah. I got it, I think, around 2016 when I think Heart of Stone had already come out or something. But yeah, well, we'll see how it goes, right? I mean, we're, yeah. we're going to be here long enough and hopefully I can forget enough of the original release of Cyberpunk 2077 so I can go back and at least give this thing a shot one more time. With that being said, giving things another shot one more time, I want to talk. go back to talking about Dragon's Dogma because <laughs> we just had a, we just had a, like right after we did our episode, we had the uh, a small gameplay uh, video of uh, the Dragon's Dogma 2 released. And I don't know if you had the opportunity to watch that 11 minute video. Um, so like I said last time, I'm trying to avoid most spoilers and stuff. Um, yeah. so I'm kind of trying to turn a blind eye. I've been seeing some things like some vocations and stuff and, yeah. um, but I've been trying to largely stay away from it. Why? What, what was it? Tell me about it. Well, I was just about to say, do you want me to delete my note, uh, that I sent to you then? Because it has a little bit of good summary of that video, but there's not really a big spoiler except like an intro spoiler a little bit, which is like this game does not take place in Grand Sis where we were playing the first Dragon's Dogma. It takes place in a parallel world of Vermont and <laughs> it sounds like Vermont, right? Like, <laughs> but yeah, Vermont, which is a parallel, yeah, again, as I said, a parallel world. So you don't have to be familiar with the first Dragon's Dogma game. I think they made it a little bit more easier uh, for people to come back to this game that is 10 years old already. And there are some really cool things about it. They showed new bosses like uh, a Talos, which is a giant statue that can move. They showed a new interesting vocation called Trickster, whose gameplay is more of a distant kind of a gameplay where they create illusions and stuff like that using their uh, smoke machine 
So it looked pretty cool. And overall, a couple of those locations look very familiar, even though it's in a parallel world. Like, you know, I did a little bit of walking around in that kind of area. Look at how good it looks in the new graphics. That was like my general feeling. It's like, oh, man, I'm excited how this game is going to be. And I'm glad it's going to be coming out in just three months instead of me waiting for this game 10 years like, you know, a lot of people do, have, have had to. So yeah, I'm excited about this overall game. It looks, it looks, in my opinion, fantastic. It looks, to be honest, it reminded me of like Final Fantasy a little bit. Yeah. You mean like 16? Yeah, a little bit like 16. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I can see it uh, when you talk about the the overall world and how the, the levels look. If you manage to get to watch that video, I'll say this. It's it's not really going to spoil too much about it. Story-wise, it's just kind of a good introduction to where we are now with this game kind of thing from the game studio. So it'll be a nice to see, oh, kind of exciting to see what, when this game comes out, what it's going to look like. Yeah, I'll take a look at it. I'm, like I said, I'm, I don't want to get spoiled too bad, but speaking of spoilers, do you, um, you see about the Grand Theft Auto 6 leaks? Oh yeah, <laughs> the uh, the one. <laughs> I, you know, I'll, I'll I'll say this. This is from the IGN uh, article. They said you know, Grand Theft Auto Six leaks may have just come from a Rockstar employee's son. I think that's made up because they did not remove that content at all. It's still up there. You can still find these leaks and see. Look at it. So I'm gonna say this. Like this is my Dragon's Dogma too, and where I'm gonna probably avoid for spoilers. But I don't believe that story one bit, man. You think it was intentional? I think it was intentional, definitely. Yeah. I know there's been some some haze about who it was that leaked it. I know some people have been saying it was the employee's kid that did it. There, I know there was also talk of it was the son's friend that leaked it. So they don't really know who it was. From what I've seen, though, like the spoilers isn't really that spoily. It's shows a section of the map it doesn't really show gameplay or anything like that it does show you the vastness of the city which it is from what people have been saying it's fucking huge um another thing to go with the leaks i saw some and they could have been doctored uh messages exchanged uh 70 of the buildings you can go into that's that's crazy. That's insane, right? That's yeah, nuts, dude. Do I have to uninstall all of my games just to play this game? <laughs> right. Hell, you gotta swipe your credit card first, though. Remember subscription? Yeah. <laughs> you only get to go to one door at a time. Come on, yeah. man. You pay pay two dollars per door. Hey, man. Like I know there's like you know when we were talking a little bit earlier, like there's like a fatigue when it comes to superhero. Yeah. We need to be careful because I think there is a little bit of fatigue when it comes to open world RPG too. If this game is way too big, it could run the risk of kind of people being like, oh man, there's way too many things to do in this game and just kind of losing interest too. Although with GTA, they have proven again and again, that's never really been their problem. But let's be kind of careful on on that kind of fatigue too, right? Yeah, I mean... I so I suffer from that shit all the time. Yeah. You, you, I tell you all the time, dude. I'm always hopping on different games constantly, switching around and stuff. Uh, Baldur's Gate three, you know what I mean? I've hopped off that for a little bit. Again, fatigue, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. and started started playing Monster Hunter World, which I have over like 300 hours and two different characters, and 
<laughs> I've gone back to that, you know. But exactly. yeah, the fatigue is for, is real. It's a really fascinating topic, in my opinion. And let's see how GTA 6 does. And I mean, we'll see the resources that Rockstar has put into GTA 6. Will it yield the similar return that GTA 5 did? Maybe it has something to do with like, you know, how rare of a game GTA games often tend to be. Maybe it could be something like that. We'll see how it goes. But coming back to this story, just to kind of conclude it, I think this is made up. I think it is made up that it is somebody's son trying to put some plate. I think it's just PR because stunt. they did not. Yeah, they did not delete the content or do a copyright strike or anything like that. This it's still up there. You can find it and look at it. Yeah, and like you know, I think it's just to kind of God's reaction. So I was curious because I remember seeing that um they were talking about releasing a trailer, and I think they just released the trailer an hour ago for GTA really? Six. And I think that's part of the reason why that that page is still up, that TikTok or wherever the fuck it came from, is because I think that they didn't give a shit because they were letting out this trailer soon. I knew it was this week. I couldn't remember if it was today or tomorrow. And it looks like they just dropped it an hour ago. So it's out there if you want to go check it out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be for me, like I'd have assumed that'd be more of a reason to take that down immediately because they don't want like a leak to be a story of the day before right before they released the trailer itself but yeah i think they have already released it we can watch it later on or something but yeah yeah let's move on yeah exactly all right this one's yours uh uh which which oh the bethesda okay yeah (laughs) i thought this was hilarious so bethesda has been responding to negative starfield reviews on steam (laughs) The yeah. fucking audacity, man. Like, that, I mean, right. this is responding. You know, a lot of smaller developers do that too, which is okay. But this is not response. This is challenging. Exactly. I And that's the difference here. Like you said, they're challenging. So, wh- okay. One of the people, uh, one of the reviews put the Starfield story was generic. The gameplay was boring. And so one of the customer support staff replied, and this is quoted, from the steam page you can fly you can shoot you can mine you can loot starfield is an rpg with hundreds of hours of quests to complete and characters to meet most quests will also vary on your character's skills and decisions massively changing the outcome of your playthrough okay massively changing i don't really think so man you're either gonna shoot a guy in the face or you're gonna talk your way out of it right there's two options for the most part right exactly holy like yeah person whoever this cs customer service person is if it is not a bot that i think like this person has not played that game at all at all <laughs> yeah like it's like it's so kind of a blind review to say something that it's basically marketing material that they've pulled up and then said hey this is the script like their cs like manager comes in and then says, hey these are the script i need you to use to go and say it you know like, you know, if somebody says boring, I want you to say these lines. If somebody says this thing is dragging on too much, I want you to say this line. If somebody says this game has too much convoluted skill system, then this is the line I want you to use. I think that's how robotic that overall dialogue sounds. And it's just, it sounds so condescending. It sounds so insulting to tell you this is what your experience should have been rather than listening to the person and saying, we we understand you might not have enjoyed it, but thank you for leaving a review. That's all you really needed to say as a kind of response to a review, a bad review at least. 
Yeah. So oh, hold on. There's there's more to that too. I just oh. <laughs> so I got it. They suggested that the reviewer give the game another chance, but to try characters with different backgrounds. Um, and this is now in quotes. You will feel like you are playing a totally different game. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Put points in different skills from a character you've previously created and you're now faced with completely different decisions to make and difficulties to encounter. Like, what kind of horseshit? Yeah, you still head to the same fucking... It doesn't change. Yeah, like, they they want to make this game to, like, they want to make it out where it's bigger than what it kind of really is, you know what I mean? Um, So when it first came out, I know a lot of people shit on it. And I was hesitant to get it and I kind of stayed away for a little bit, but then I got it and I was like, okay, it's not bad. It's different. You know, it's an RPG and it it was fun for a little bit, but then I was having issues with all my characters and you kind of know about this Arya as I kind of explained them to you. So I wasn't using conventional weapons. I was trying to go first. I went like fists only and that was a garbage playthrough because you can't, the perks you get don't, they don't even out. Eventually, the enemies are going to be way higher level and they're going to be doing way more damage than I can get in and, and actually kill them. So then I went melee. Same concept there because you can't really change your melee weapons at all like you can with like your guns and stuff. You can't mod them out. So I, this is the same, same fucking thing. So they kind of horseshoes you into playing a certain way, honestly. No, you're absolutely right. You don't really have a different gameplay as much as you think. Like, you're trying to do a short range melee option, and you're, like, the whole time you're like, man, why did I spend all of my skill points on melee if it's so shit? I should have just stuck with the gunplay more than anything else. And on my end, I'll say this. This game is something, actually, I enjoyed it okay. For me, this was, if I have to give it a rotten tomato tomato uh, like rating, it's like 70% for me fresh. Yeah, like, it's not bad. It, but it's not terrible. Yeah, but listening to this kind of response, how Bethesda thinks like the experience is, is making me have even worse opinion of the game than I originally did. It's yeah. like you can't like the negative reviews are actually quite valid. It feels so formulaic and generic to every other Bethesda game since Skyrim has come out of how yep. it organizes the overall story and how he how the game tries to you know all of the different things you can do in a game the story tries to mold into an experience but that kind of mold is something you've seen in multiple Bethesda game multiple other RPG it's nothing innovative or interesting in my opinion you can still get your games worth of like you know playing through it but you're not really like you're just playing say Fallout in space or you're playing Skyrim in space kind of thing going on it's just like it's not as interesting as they think it is yeah um so it's an okay like it's an okay game like it's an okay game the the bad reviews are valid in my opinion yeah don't don't tell them they're wrong for feeling how they feel towards your game because that's that's their interpretation right it was one of the one of the things i was worried about was i think it was todd had come out and said during uh one of their show boxes or whatever that they were looking forward to seeing what the modding community uh, did for the game and that they were f- they were fully behind uh, the modding community now to me when you say that that sounds like you're waiting for the modding community to flesh out your game for you 
what I'm hearing when they say that is that, listen, we're not creative enough to make this game better for you. So we'll wait for you to make it creative and more fun to play. That's what I hear when he says that. And yeah. I understand in Skyrim, a lot of modding made it so much more fun. It really made the game enduring and last for a long time when the Skyrim came out with all the modders. And it made great meme videos with like Thomas the Tank Engine instead of the Alduin <laughs> Dragon coming and attacking you. Yeah, those are all great. But I also want your original game to be, you know, fun. Not fun, but like at least gripping enough for me to keep on playing. I don't want to go and play your game and it feels like a Sunday chore. Yeah. But I, like that's how the best I can describe this game for me. It's like this is like going and finishing up a chore sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Um I know Fallout 4 kind of had this had a similar uh kind of tough time starting out, but really like when you go back and play Fallout 4, you do kind of appreciate the game a little bit more after uh Sky or not Skyrim, uh Starfield now. Uh, has come out like there's a different kind of appreciation now you know well that's the thing like this is this is their fucking this is their strategy like they make the next game boring so that you can enjoy the previous game that they released you know <laughs> like fallout 76 is now fun to play because compared to starfield it's a lot more fleshed out now next time they're going to come out with the elder scroll 6 and we're going to be like oh at least starfield was more enjoyable compared to yeah <laughs> and each time it's just accumulatively going down and down and down in quality yeah. It's just like, I, I, I don't know. First of all, going back to this article, it's a bad way to respond. All they should have said is that we're, we pause as we feel like, you know, we're sorry that you have not enjoyed the game as much. Uh, there are some value to playing it again. You know, hopefully you can find a different path can do it. Like a simple kind of response to it. That's all they needed to do instead of this condescending reply yeah. that they're giving all the time. But because there are people who actually enjoy this game quite a bit, like this guy, this on Twitter at uh, Nico Miller, he played this game like 33 times, you know, altogether. And then it was just a kind of a recent story out on IGN, like him kind of letting it know on the uh, Twitter as well that on his 33rd uh, gameplay, he finally goes into the uh, Constellation headquarters in the beginning and he finally runs into himself from another universe. Yeah, from the first universe, handing over exactly. the artifact. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, see, that's a that's a really interesting part. That's like, but it know, took him, it took him thirty four playthroughs to fucking get there. <laughs> but I think that's like that's more of a permutation thing. You could run into that scenario maybe third, fourth, or fifth time. It's just on his end, it went to thirty third time. I think that's yeah. what a lot of people are saying. It's like you know, thirty third is such an unusual number. It could have happened at any moment. You could play like sixty six time. And still not run into yourself. Yeah. yeah. Like, that is a really interesting. And it's also your character with full voice act, like voice and everything else that you chose in the beginning of your uh, character creation and everything, too. So it's pretty interesting. And you can recruit that person, well, yourself, to kind of play with you. So, like, there are people who still enjoy this game and there's plenty to enjoy about it. But when people have negative review regarding it, like, don't don't tell them that they're wrong about their review. Or yeah. that they're not justified for that review. It's such a such a bad PR. Yeah, it's a bad move for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So moving on from that, uh, like, you know, Bethesda news, uh, I just wanted to touch this quickly. Have you had the opportunity to see the trailer for the new Fallout TV show? I have not. What What is it streaming on? It's going to be streaming on Amazon Prime, uh, the 
Yeah. So, so on the on the trailer, it says from the people who brought you the boys and two day free shipping. <laughs> Get the fuck out! Get the fuck out! They really said that. That's fucking ridiculous, dude. To give you a quick second. I'm tra- so I saw like um, a screenshot or something where it looked like some guy was like a cyclops and they were someone was asking like why is this dude why is a cyclops here or some shit like that yeah basically i think it's probably some mutant or etc but it has uh do you know who walton goggin is no i don't think so if you look at his face i think you'll recognize him but walton goggin is in my opinion one of the best actors working right now and uh if i remember what is a good one that he was in do you know the show Justified? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see him now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's the villain in the Walton Goggin, isn't it? He's a ghoul in here wearing a cowboy hat. So like, he has a pretty decent kind of like, and some of these actors that they have here are really, really good. Yeah, it says right there, at the studio behind the boys and free two-day shipping. I <laughs> do <laughs> that shit. It, it looks really good. I mean, overall, the CGI and everything else looks good. The reason I wanted to kind of talk about this one is because I feel overall Hollywood is kind of starting to figure out how to do video game adaptation properly. (laughs) Correctly, right? Yeah. So like it's less about making fun of people who play video game, in my opinion, which is how they've approached most of the video game movies, to actually looking at the story and then trying to put a narrative in there. So we're looking at The Last of Us season one. It uses a lot of the story beats from the game itself but overall it's still a really enjoyable experience and then you have you know even movies like detective pikachu or you have like you know this fallout kind of looking pretty good on the trailer side i think they're figuring out how to do this video game adaptation much better than how we have experienced in the past yeah hopefully we won't get too many more doom movies or like fucking the resident (laughs) evil 3 or whatever the fuck yeah it's so weird because like in that movie, that was probably one of my more favorite rock performance because he doesn't act like how he does today, right? Like, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Hero. He's like a villain on that one. It's like, yeah, oh, this guy, this guy trying to show his range. That's pretty cool because rock comes from the attitude era of WWE. Like, that's when, yeah. like, you know, you have a lot of anti heroes like Steve, you know, Stone Cold Stone Steve, Steve Austin. Exactly. But, like, that attitude era, he's supposed to be more villain like, but now he's just placed the same rock hero kind of character yeah. everywhere. Macho, uh, muscle, rip gun. Never loses a fight kind of character. Yep. Unless it is to save a woman's life, of course. <laughs> uh, what a what a, what a what a crap of a thing to happen to action. Yeah. Man. But so like you were saying, though, like it seems like Hollywood is actually starting to get the fucking hint, at least. That exactly, yeah. They're, they're starting to turn that corner where we can actually start getting some de- decent stuff. I mean, we have The Witcher... Um, which was really good. Hopefully it continues to be good in the next season without Henry Cavill. Um, yeah. You know, this Fallout TV series, hopefully that's good. Um, I don't have Amazon Prime, so I probably won't watch it, but maybe I'll pirate it or something, sell some seeds, you know? That's not uh, <coughs> that's not what he <laughs> admit. Uh, if anybody's listening, you know, he's not trying to implicate himself to an action. No, no, no. I, I don't like con- <laughs> I don't condone those those actions. <laughs> I'll be honest. If you find a pirated copy, just uh, send me for a bit. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you know, just to make sure. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Let's move on to our next segment, shall we? Yeah, yeah. So. Want to talk about some games that we played? What did you play 
um, this year. You mean where, where was I sentenced to play this year for the highest amount of hours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I played Formula One 2023 for most of my 2023 year. Well, the weird thing is because uh, Formula One 2023 only came out in the middle of the year, I had to uh, satisfy by playing the 2021 version because, you know, 2022 version had a lot of problems and stuff. So I never really decided to get that one. But yeah, so like half the year I played 2021 and the other half I played 2023. And just that game was basically what I played most of the time. Now, yeah, go ahead, guys. Well, no, I was going to say just, so how was it? I mean... Did you enjoy uh, it? I mean, or was it compared to the 2021? I think overall, compared to 2021, I think those two, in my opinion, recently are the best of the Formula One games that has come out. So right now, starting from 2022, it was EA that was producing the uh, Formula One game. Before that, it was a company called Code Masters. They got bought by EA and they started publishing this game under EA afterwards. Now, 2023, there was... The interesting part about it is that I decided to play it in a different kind of manner. I decided to play based upon what the actual Formula One World Championship season schedule was. So if there was a race in Canada, I was basically playing only the Canada track for that week. And then I would play the Canada race, the full length race, which is about one and a half hour long. And then I'd play it. And then basically after that run is done, the race weekend is done, I'd move on to like a different race weekend coming up. So that's how I managed to play. And that's why it probably consumed the highest amount of hours that I had. So kind of like perfecting each track in the week leading up to the actual race day. Basically, yeah. So like I have this, uh, so I play with Logitech Racing Wheel. And uh, I definitely recommend if somebody wants to play this kind of racing game, like Formula One at least, is to get a cheap racing wheel and try to learn how to use it. It definitely heightens up the overall gameplay experience, in my opinion. If I try to go back to my controller, I, I'm going to probably just lose traction every single time and run into the wall. So, But like with a proper racing wooden pedal, which is what I use, it just makes your time fly away really fast. Like you're just doing the same lap after lap, but it never feels like you're wasting any time at all. It's It's definitely a very entertaining game for me. You have like more control over your, your vehicle and stuff, right? Yeah, definitely. Like one thing about this sim racing, which is what I started getting into starting last year, was that you kind of learn how to kind of drive this car. So in your first few laps, it is very difficult to really make sure that, you know, you're, oh, am I pressing the accelerator right now? Am I pressing the brake right now? You're so cognizant about what you're doing with your body. But after you play like about 300 or so hours, it becomes, (laughs) it becomes a lot more natural. It's, it's, it feels like, you know, okay, I need to kind of do trail braking, which is an actual skill that you learn while driving an actual car, or you can learn how to kind of slowly use the accelerator rather than pushing it in like a lot of arcade kind of game. Yeah, just like so mashing on it. Exactly. There's a lot of reward to like learning how to play on the wheel and playing the game like Formula 1 2033. Now, one of the thing about it is that this is not an actual racing sim. It's a little bit more arcadey than actual racing sims like R Factor 2 or Assetto Corsa. Yeah. But it gives you a really good experience of what Formula 1 exactly is. I gotcha. I I did not play Formula 1. Surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> I'm not 
I'm not huge on the the racing games. I uh, I do like mine really arcadey. I, I will fuck around with some like Need for Speed or something like that. Um, mine uh, this past year was Everspace one and two, kind of both of them combined. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I know. Like I played Everspace one and I really enjoyed that game, but I never really caught up with the Everspace two. But I remember like it was what is the story about? It? It's like clones or something like that yeah 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 so the one and two are really different right one is a kind of roguelike um and it, yeah like you said the, the story is based on clones you play as a clone you die you get born in as another clone so that's kind of how the the roguelike element is tied into it um so you like go through you're trying to find the base where the original main character is that's kind of like the whole story. Once you get to the end, you find the base, you find the main character. Basically, spoiler alert, um, the main character has like the sickness or whatever the fuck. <laughs> and you know, the, the sickness. He's got the stink. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's kind of weird. It is. I remember it was like, I remember when I was playing Everspace 1 and now I remember a kind of a weird part about it is that when I played Everspace 1 and I got to the portion where I ran into my original body and he dies, right? I thought for some reason that was the end of the game. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's, I thought that was the end of the game because like, you know, Seth, Seth Nobu, your uh, antagonist for the first game, you kind of kill him in that right before you enter the, uh, uh, you know, your medical bay where your original uh, body is. And I thought for some reason, like that was the end of the game because after that I was supposed to go around hunting for DNA fragments, but I thought that was just like a post game kind of mission. So I, I put it down and then I stopped playing Everspace one for a long time. I thought I reached the end of the game and later on somebody told me, didn't you get to fight the fleet, like the giant ship? You didn't fight that? I was like, I have no fucking idea what you're talking about. Like, what giant ship? And then I went back and played the game, and then I was like, oh, that giant ship. Now I get it. Yeah, so I so I didn't get to that point either. Um, I kind of stopped playing uh, it as well when it started to collect the DNA fragments and stuff. Um Ian, that, that 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 giant ship battle is the best. Is it? Yeah, it is. It is definitely a lot more different than the battle you do with your other kind of uh, space outlaws or Okar, or yeah, kind of Seth Nobu and stuff. It's it's a different kind of a big boss battle. It's. <laughs> would you want to go reinstall this game and play that one? I I still have it. I don't. I didn't uninstall it because it's on uh, my hard my external. So I mean, I can go pop it in whenever. But, so what made you want to play Everspace? Because this is a pretty old game, right? It came out in 2017, the first one at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, so I don't like racing games all that much, but I do enjoy flying games. Um, warning, if you get motion sickness, it, it will fuck your shit up um, because you are upside down and right side up and left and right and all over the place. But I enjoy that kind of shit. I, I will get drunk and fucking just fly around in a spaceship shooting shit down like a cowboy it is so fun <laughs> dude you what are you talking about if you really like motion sickness you should definitely play racing games you don't give you motion sickness <laughs> like i'm planning on kind of getting good enough in f1 that i can buy a vr set and then put that on and play it 
Because a lot of the newer uh, Formula One game can actually support VR yeah. uh, headset, and you can actually learn how to, you know, look to the corner before turning it, like an aim for the corner with your actual head rather than just looking on my screen. Like you, you'll get your motion sickness if you join me here with the <laughs> racing game, dude. I mean, so so that's a dope way to use VR, by the way. Like, yeah, that's the best way. In my that opinion. that's the only way, in my opinion, right? Like most of it to me is just like gimmick stuff but like an, a racing sim or even just like an arcade one whatever in vr or a flying go, game too yeah, yeah flying game too um but that's kind of so i played the first one everspace and i and i enjoyed it too a lot oh i think what got me into everspace was because i played that game chorvis chorvis oh yeah chorvis no it's chorus <laughs> chorus Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Corvus is just what you tricked me into thinking the name of the game was. It's actually Chorus. Chorus. The V is pronounced like a U. Yeah. Like in medieval <laughs> English or something. So I I picked up that one, Chorus, because it was on sale or whatever. And yeah. like I said, I've always kind of liked those games. And I played that one for a bit and I enjoyed it. It was okay. I still got to go back to it. Um, But then I think you were telling me about Everspace 1. Everspace, yeah. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure you were the one that told me about it, and you told me that the second one was coming out soon, and I was like, "Well, shit, I gotta try this out," because um, I like roguelikes as well. I'm terrible at them; I fucking suck, but I do enjoy playing them. Have you Have you ever played any other kind of uh, shooter flight games? Yeah, uh, Ace Combat. Ace Combat, yeah. Like, what did you think about those games compared to Aerospace? So. That's a very loaded question, right? Yeah. I mean, they play really similar, honestly. Um, the biggest difference is like Everspace, you can come to a full stop in your ship and and do hard turns and stuff like that. Ace Combat, you can't do that. You have to kind of bank your turns and do loops of shit because you're in a fighter jet. Um, yeah. But it honestly, it kind of plays very similar. Um, there's more control in... I feel like Ace Combat, but they've been doing this the Ace Combat series. I think it's like 16. Yeah. I think it's like Ace Combat 16 or something like that um, is the last one. Or no, excuse me, 7. Ace Combat. Yeah, the 7th one where they had that fake dog or something. Yeah. Like There's a name of that. I wonder, because I mean, they had PSP games and stuff like that. So I wonder if those ones are yeah. counted as well or not. But um, Maybe they play very similar. I feel like you have more control over your vehicle in Ace Combat as far as like your loadout and stuff because you have to be mindful of what you can and can't take with weight and stuff. Everspace, you just pick something and you go with it, right? In the first one, yeah. at least. The second one is really different. Um, let me jump into that real quick. So Everspace 2, there, it is not a roguelike at all. Um, it, they completely changed the gameplay in the second one. And I think that's why a lot of people didn't necessarily like it too much was because it they really moved away from like a roguelike game. And it's more of just like you're a character now and you but you have way more ships to choose from. So the first one you only have three ships to choose one. This one you have a ton of different ships, but the ships are kind of designated to certain things. So like you'll have a ship that has drones and you just send out like eight drones at things and they just shoot everything for you. And I fucking love that ship so much <laughs> yeah. yeah they're describing like everspace 2 as a uh, action role-playing video game mm -hmm. 
compared to the first one that is more like a roguelike. I think it's also because the developers like Rockfish game were able to dedicate more resources to the second one than to the first one. Like the first one is a very kind of a base skeletal kind of game. It's not like, you know, even the, like in the stories and et cetera, it's kind of like they're using a lot of graphics again and again to wrap up their story. And usually like most of the story happens in a space, which is not exactly like somewhere you can travel. It's just a base staging area for like a kind of a combat situations. But like the planets and everything else you see is more like a kind of a graphics uh, that are like, you know, painted graphics or something. You can't really get to the planet or galaxy. But in Everspace too, I think you can visit planets. You can kind of fight inside the planet and can have a lot more detailed uh, missions too. Yeah, the first one is definitely, like you said, it's more bare bones for sure. Uh, the second one, yeah, you can go to, you can't go to, I don't think you can go to every planet. You might be able to, but you can go to some planets. And they have like some bases there and there's like a couple ships flying around you can take out, dogfight yeah. with, stuff like that. Um, they definitely had a bigger budget in the second one for sure. Do you think then, like, you know, jumping back to the, when you were comparing the uh, Everspace with Ace Combat, do you feel like the Everspace 1 or 2 is less like a space flight simulation than uh, like Ace Combat is for flight simulation itself? Yeah, Everspace, I mean... Everspace is definitely more arcadey. Yeah. But I mean, even Ace Combat, Ace Combat is definitely arcadey too. It's it's hard to compare those to like a simulation where like, yeah. I think War Thunder is more simulation. But uh, yeah. I always thought that was like a World of Tanks kind of game. It, I don't know I, if it's I, the, I, I, real or not. Yeah. I d- so, okay. here Here's a throwback for you. I played this game called, I think it was... Um, wasn't War Thunder. What was it? There was a game on PC that you played as a A22 Warthog, and that one, or is excuse me, it was an A10 Warthog. Um, do you know what that one is, Ari? No, not at all. The A10 Thunderbolt too. Um, I've only heard it in like a couple of the uh, Ukraine Russian war uh like thread. Somebody suggesting let's just send Ukraine the uh, A10 Warthog. That's the only time I've ever heard of it. Yeah, that's so. The A10 Warthog is like my favorite fucking plane. It's such a beat. I'll look at that. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a nasty son of a bitch, dude. When you hear the uh, the minigun on the front wide up and start letting go, it's fucking so clean. <laughs> um, but there was a video game uh, way back in the day where you used an A10 Warthog and like you flew missions and like you like shot at bases and you know vehicles and stuff like that um that was definitely more of a simulation than like ace combat and uh everspace but it's hard to compare those two like you would like um for instance like need for speed and um the formula games you know yeah well the formula one game that's the thing like it's in a weird spot like whenever i'm playing it it like it's supposed it has a lot of like aspect that you'd see in a simulation kind of game. Like the track looks amazing. The uh it has a lot of like, you know, you can do setup on your car, like how much camber you want to put on your tires, how much of a downforce you want to put in your, you know, rear wing or your front wing. Like a lot of the things that can really affect your overall speed and performance are how much your tire can degrade over the time when you drive it. So it has a lot of spe- like your simulation kind of stuff, but when you're actually driving it, it has a little bit more arcadey feeling to it. It's like, like I can tell the difference between an actual simulation and the Formula One 2023. 
the another part about the Formula One game that I like that's a little bit more real lifelike that I don't think any other game provides is that it gives you an experience of what it's like to actually run a Formula One team. Yeah. Which is the weird part. It's like, it's kind of hard to explain. It's like you have to, uh, like, you know, as you win the race, you gain more sponsorship money. And as you win more sponsorship money, you're able to dedicate resources to research and development. And as you dedicate more research and development, you can build a better car. Like, that's kind of a thing that you can do in Formula 1 2023 compared to, like, your Need for Speed and stuff or yeah. Gran Turismo where you can buy the car itself or something like that. But in this one, like, as you play career mode or, like, in you know, a team owner mode, you have to kind of do these things, like an actual development that a lot of Formula 1 teams do. Like, I don't know, there's such, like, a... You, you can go so in-depth with that stuff. And, like, that's one of the reasons why, like, I don't like Gran Turismo all that much is because there's too much fine tuning. I'm not good with that shit. That's why I like the need for speeds because it's like just upgrade my engine, upgrade my tires, let me burn some rubber, you know? Exactly. What about Everspace, right? I mean, you do a lot of modifications on Everspace 1 and 2. At least on 2, you're supposed to be able to do a lot more modifications. So what's that like? Yeah, so... Like I said, there's tons of different ships to choose from. I think there's like four or five different ships and they all just do different stuff. Like I said, there's the one that does the drones. You have one that's more fighter based. Um, Do you remember that huge cannon? Like it was like the RC 5000, I think it was in the first one. Not really. No, you don't remember that one long. I mean, I played in 2017, like a long time ago. Oh, Okay. So there's like this huge like i think it's called the rc5 excuse me it's the arc 9000 and it was a slow moving projectile that like shot like thunderbolts out and shit like that and it just did massive damage so that was like a a weapon you got in the first one and in the Mm -hmm. the second one you actually have a ship that has it as like a special so it's not like just a weapon that you can pick up anymore um they do have like all the cannons and stuff like that that you got in the first one, like the Gauss cannon and like the like kind of like the sniper cannon and stuff like that, you still get all of those and like you can get better versions and stuff just like in the first one. I think you could do that. Um, yeah. But this one, it's more it's like you, so you have ships that are like better at maneuverability. You have ships that are better at fighting. And it's like, there's also cargo space too. Like you can just be a, a space trucker if you want. And just fucking, yeah, just truck around fucking shit from like solar system to solar system. Is that something tells me that's what you, maybe, that's what you use, maybe. right? I'm like, I know that's what you did for Starfield. You just chose like the, the biggest hall, <laughs> the biggest ship. Yeah, the biggest ship. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, maybe I did. <laughs> are, you, are you saying you want to look at my save file? <laughs> I, yeah, that's what, like that's exactly what I did. Right, exactly. Because like I was thinking about it, I wonder what uh, Ian's actual spaceship would have been like. It's probably going to be like a GMC kind of big one with like tricked out sound system in the back instead of like putting all your cargo. It's just like your real car or something. Yeah, I, it's like, I assume like you'd go for like Econo Hall even in the Everspace game. I don't know why I like doing that shit so much, but I fucking love it, dude. Give me like a ton of, of cargo room and let me haul some shit to different solar systems. Oh man, that's that's does the uh, like you know if you're having a lot of weight, does it affect your overall gameplay? No, no, no. It, it's not that in depth. Like you can load that bitch up, and it really it's the ship itself. So like your bulkier fighter 
class ships are they are going to turn a lot worse than like the smaller ships that are kind of made for zipping around and stuff also that's pretty good the um the a10 game i was talking about back in the day it's called silent thunder a10 tank killer 2 came out in 96 Jeez, mad. Yeah, I used to play that shit all the time. I loved it. I always crashed my plane right into the ground, but I fucking love that shit. <laughs> Silent Thunder. Yeah. Oh, oh man. <laughs> I'm looking up this game. Jeez. 4.7 out of 5 by my abandonware. Yeah. Dude, like, nice. look at the scores, man. 86 out of 100 for PC Joker. GameSpot, 85 out of 100. Gameplay, 84 out of 100. Like, oh, man. Those are decent scores. You have man. to, like, yeah, you have to kind of dust off this game if you ever find it again. Mm-hmm. It was a hell of fun, though. I enjoyed it. Are you um Are you gonna play more of the um, formula twenty twenty three? Well, the thing is, like the twenty twenty three season's over. Like the actual Formula One season is done. There is no more new tracks to play in. So I think the season's gonna the next season twenty twenty four is gonna start in uh, March. 2024 so when it starts i think what i'm gonna do is that i'll play the first half of the year 2023 again doing the same track on the same weekend kind of thing and I'm doing... exactly so i'll play the first race is actually bahrain i'll be playing and practicing on bahrain circuit until then and then i'll do a full race which is like an actual full race is an hour and a half minute or so sometimes like when i'm playing these games for that long like, holy shit, my whole body sweat. Like, I'm sweating through it. Like, I try not to take a break so that I could go and, you know, go to a bathroom or something. No, no, I, I hold it on to it. And I'm just sweating from, like, my head, from my, my like, my fucking tits. It's just, like, you know, I need to go change my pants sometimes. It's just so, like, intense. Like, I, I can't really, you know explain it how it is i was gonna say it's not like playing any of the game that sounds fucking intense man i don't know if i'd be able to handle that like i'm not kidding you can usually like you know play this most people played in a kind of a either five lap kind of shootout or like 16 lap in a or 25 lap kind of medium game now you want to go full hog like you know from (laughs) beginning to end you have to do like at this one or two pit stop with multiple different types of tire and in this game like what will happen is that your tires, they degrade in real time. So like if you have been really, like if you're doing a full race, Ian, what could happen is that if you've just been kind of too liberal with your accelerator, every single corner you take, by the end of the race, you run out of fuel. Yeah. Like yeah. you could actually run out. Of, you actually have high energy shit, basically. Exactly. You have to compromise like a little bit like a real race. It's like if I push too hard, I'm going to lose my tire and my fuel. If I don't push hard enough, Max Verstappen's going to come and overtake him <laughs> and I'm going to be like a chum sitting for him. And the AI in this game, like you can manage like how difficult your AI can be. And in this game, like Max Verstappen is the big boss. Like this guy, <laughs> this guy with the best car is definitely the big boss in here. And one thing about uh, Formula 123 does really well is that sometimes week by week, it kind of updates where the car's performance is. Mm. So like, certain week like you know your mclaren would be kind of much performing better like through throughout the year a lot of these teams they do development in their car to make it faster relatively to other cars so a mclaren car that started at the bottom of the line 
in the beginning of the year does an upgrade and is suddenly better than almost all of the car on the grid except for Red Bull, then in the game, it reflects that. Like, it's easier to get higher position using McLaren after that update. So, like, it kind of continues that kind of real-time update with the season as it goes. Yeah. So, to answer your question, I'll probably be playing this 23 until the 24 game comes out because I think it will still continue to reflect how the season goes on that 23 game. That's what I'm hoping for. You think... So, I mean... You think they'll come out with a new one or you think they'll just update 2023? They will definitely come out for with a new one, in my opinion. I think there's, as they have understood, like EA kind of has started to understand what makes this game much better. Like the 2022 was their first attempt at it yeah. uh, on their own. And it was not very good. The handling was really bad, but the improvement they made for 2023 was really, really good. Sometimes what also happens is that your track kind of changes and Year by year, in my opinion, what really improves is just like your overall kind of experience with the game itself. Like what you get out of a 2021 game is completely different from what you get out of 2023, even though it's like, you know, same team, same kind of people, kind of like an AI and stuff like that. What it, for example, sorry, let me rephrase this one. One of the biggest difference between the previous iteration of Formula One versus the new iteration is how good the AI has become. Mm-hmm. And by how good, I mean how prone to mistake the AI is. So it's actually like, like real. It's like an actual, more like a person versus just like the perfect AI that we usually see in racing games. Exactly. So if it is raining on the track, usually in the older game, the AI would be so good at performing in the rain. It's almost feels like unreal. It's like unfair that they are so good in the rain that they do not make any mistake, wheel spin or anything like that. While we're struggling without any traction when we're trying to play in the rain. Like yeah. That rain physics is really, really good. But in this new uh, 2023, the AI makes plenty of mistakes when it, not, not plenty, but like it makes the occasional mistakes that it is supposed to look like it's making and then causes like safety car situations and stuff like that during yeah. the rain. Yeah, so it gives so you like different are- like catch up and stuff like that. Exactly. The AI becomes a lot more dynamic. Like AI becomes a lot smarter. I don't want to call it AI again and again, but the uh, you know non-playable, like yeah. other racers on your grid becomes a lot more responsive. Yeah. In the older game, like the AI again, would kind of stick to its racing line. So when you're trying to overtake it, it often would crash to you more often unless you totally pass it through on a straight. So it's more... It's a corner comp- So it's like more reactive then. Exactly. Now... I try to overtake a, a an AI. If I'm in the corner with the same car, with the AI's car, they do not try to dive into the racing. Like they try to <laughs> kind of avoid it and try to go a little bit outside. Yeah, it's a lot more like you know, a lot more kind of responsive, and you're not just expecting yourself to crash to the AI. Yeah, immediately for every time you try to overtake. So that kind of small improvements that you can have with the other. Uh, like you know, other like I keep using the word AI again and again, but the other NPCs. That's what really makes the game more fun to kind of play because you can't get that kind of experience playing multiplayer at all. Like in multiplayer, people would fucking crash into you, drive backwards on the course. Yeah, exactly. It's so like hard to find like a good set of people to play with on multiplayer without them either die bombing you from fucking mile back or like trying to not weave through the track when you're trying to play it, 
not using like a gentleman kind of like, you know, gameplay. Yeah. Like if they see you almost overtaking you, they'll just drive you off the road. Like you don't that you don't get that kind of uh, gameplay from your AI. Like yeah. I prefer to play single player so much more than multiplayer now because of that. Yeah. What is that? The the Arceta Corsa one or whatever? Yeah. That one. Arceta Corsa, yeah. Competizione. Like there's a two different kinds. This one's the same with like many different kind of car. Arceta Corsa. And there is one Assetto Corsa Competizione, which is more like GT3 and GT4 car only. Yeah. In in that one, one of the things that they have to advantage of Formula 1 2023 is that it gives you license points if you're not racing properly. Well, so I was going to say, like the Assetto Corsa one, I've seen some streamers play that. And I feel like with that one, they're way more strict. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Like if you're not driving perfect, then they just shit all over you. They do. But the thing also is that the game punishes you if you're being an absolute dickwad in that one. Like, if you're just, like, over, like, you know, throwing other people off the road and stuff like that, you, Assetto Corsa has, like, a licensing system. Like, basically, it can give you, decrease your safety rating and stuff like that. So when you're trying to find an online lobby to play with, you're not going to match with, like, somebody your level because you just have a terrible safety rating. Do you think Formula would benefit if they implemented something like that? Not at all. No. Because the problem is, I would say they would not benefit because, in my opinion, it's more designed to be an arcade game. Like, they want more and more people to play this game. That's, there's a reason why Assetto Corsa has not as many people as F1 2023 when it comes to the player base itself because it is so hard to earn those skill ratings to get to that level where you can compete with some really good racers Mm. like you don't want that in a formula one game that is supposed to be an ea game imagine like you know you could only play say a multiplayer game like cod if you're good enough yeah that would kind of limit a lot of people out of it right it makes increase a better game for other people like people who are good but a lot of people who want to just go in and play like they're not going to be happy with that basically sbmm exactly Yes, yes, that, that is exactly it. Like, you know, the kind of like your kind of gameplay and skill kind of yeah. determining whether you can play the multiplayer experience or not. So if, if you don't know, it's skill-based matchmaking is what SBMM stands for. And yeah. I know a lot of people complain about it. Um, well, you, a lot of streamers complain about it because it makes their streams not look good when they're actually matched with decent players that shut them down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it, 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 well... That's such a tricky question too, Ian. I'll be really honest. Like, in a way, you should expect like, you know, same skill level to kind of like, you know, be in the same kind of server, play with against one another. That's like the ideal world, but the gameplay experience is not as good if you try to go for the ideal sometimes. Yeah, I I know what you mean. And I I say that like half-heartedly, jokingly. Um, I mean, it's no fun getting put into a lobby and constantly getting shit on you know, no matter what you do. But it's also, it's not great to go into a lobby and you just decimate everyone. So like having that mixed bag is, you know, do do good, but also kind of get put in your place a little bit, you know? Yeah, yeah, that is true. But yeah, no, no, you're, you're right. You're right on that end. It's for the Formula One, you want this like, you know, game to have a lot more open access to a lot of people. Like there is uh, in Formula One, you do have like, you know, a certain you can create your own 
a server or like an area where only people of certain kind of like you know, skills can play together, like oh. league and stuff like that. You can design your own league so you can play with your friends who are maybe just as good or at least like court- courteous enough to not throw you off the track or something like that. It's just the, uh, you have the idea of a, what they call a open lobby versus a closed lobby. And open lobby is where like anybody can come in and play that game with you, like 20 players playing the uh, one single race at a time. Yeah. While closed lobby is more kind of segregated on that end. So, and SPMM would not really kind of add on to, you know, your Formula One experience that much. You can always like, you know, uh, have a closed lobby kind of game, but I don't have that many friends that play Formula One 2023. So like, I don't want to be in a league where it's just like two or three people or something like that. And I'm not good enough to be in a big league either. So it's uh, kind of like, a, you know, I'm kind of in a nomad. I'd rather play with Max Verstappen's AI at 100 or something yeah. like that. Well, needless to say, I mean, you know, it's good that they're working on the AI and stuff and making it more enjoyable for a single player experience. Yeah. I mean, on that end, like, you know, as you're like, you know, we back and forth kind of ask about our game experience, right? Is there anything about like the Everspace game that you thought was kind of shortcoming or that did not satisfy you uh, when you're playing it? I mean, like, what's your complaint? Any complaints about it? Okay, so my biggest complaint is something I just do myself. So I didn't really know how the game kind of played out, right? So I was in one solar system and I was just, you know, fucking around doing my thing. Uh, doing these side missions and stuff and getting credits so I could buy the better ships. And I didn't realize that there's like multiple solar systems that you go to. It's like fucking like eight of them. So like I spent like, dude, I like 30 hours or some shit in the first area just grinding out missions to buy a better ship. And then I finally continued with the main game. And I was like, oh shit, there's still like eight solar systems I have to fucking go to. <laughs> so I, I kind of burned myself out a little bit. I do want to get back to it. And I say that all the fucking time, but I, I do want to get back to it and actually play more of it um, and just kind of continue it because it is a lot of fun to play. Uh, and it's great because it's a single player one. Go on. Yeah. So how far did you actually manage to play into it? How, I, like, you know, percentage wise? I got to the second solar system. <laughs> <laughs> i i so much time doing the side missions dude and like loading my fucking econo holler up with goods and like going to back to the first place and yeah. selling them all that's that's crazy ian because like i when we were talking about you know outside this podcast when we're talking about this game with you i thought you were like so far uh, ahead because you've been playing it for like you know weeks on end nope Nope. Oh my goodness. Nope. Dude, I, I do that all the fucking time. I'm so bad with that is yeah. I'll burn myself out on just the side content without even yeah. really touching the main stuff. And I do that a lot. And so I end up, that's why I end up restarting like Elden Ring like 30 times and shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I just like the beginning so much. Oh, but that's, that's crazy. Cause like, even before this episode, when we were trying to record it and plan it out, I thought you had like no. finished this game and played multiple. No, so I put. So I used to have like a huge amount of hours to it as well. So, like, like I said, theoretically, like I beat the first one technically, right? Like I completed a run, and I didn't beat the big ship like you did. So even you did more in that game than me. But the second one 
Now, if I focused on the main mission and just kind of did that, I don't know how long the game is, but I'm assuming it's still probably like a 30, 40 hour game. If you just kind of focus on like the main mission and just kind of speed through it. But like, it's fun to just fly around and shoot shit and just like get credits and try to get a better ship and try to get that arc 9000 fucking ship and just decimate everyone in your path. You know, I like, I like being the drone ship and sending out eight drones to go do my bidding and kill everyone while I just kind of sit around like a fat rat collecting out everything. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, so then compared to like the most recent, uh, kind of like a flight experience from say like Starfield, where would you rank the Everspace to? Oh, Everspace is way fucking better than, yeah. I mean, there's not even a, a, a question in competition. Now that I will say, uh, chorus, yeah, chorus is very Chorvis. close. Chorvis is <laughs> very, yeah. very close. Um, the flying is really tight in that game. Um, yeah, I just there's something about it that I just don't really care for. And if it, I don't know if it's like the how you acquire the weapons and stuff, or yeah. like I kind of like just choosing a ship, and that ship is kind of designated like it's a it's a fly it's a quick flyer ship that like turns invisible. That's its special, or like you get the drones, or you get the Arc Nine Thousand, or whatever. I just I kind of like that a little bit more. Aerospace does have definitely also has a advantage of having a much better story as well. I think story I remember really liking it. I don't know what your opinion on that is because because I haven't gotten too far in the second one. I I don't really know. The first one wasn't bad, though. You know, so basically you're one of the clones. You you kind of got away. You join up with a small mining group and you basically act as protection and you go out with them and they're mining some shit and like they run into some whatever, some bad guy or whatever. And you you and your your but your buddy pilot who's in another ship, you kind of take out the bad guys and you go outside the asteroid and there's like a shit is going down. There's just like the people that were supposed to be out watching the entrance got like decimated and there's like fucking ships just flying everywhere, shooting shit. And like your buddy gets hit. And so like you drag his, his ship away and like you find like a secluded base and, and whatever. And like, that's how the game kind of starts out. Like it's fucking wild. Yeah. I mean, all of the game, I think Everspace 2 the uh, story mode is all, not story mode, sorry, but the story is told in that uh, still image kind of manner too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's like that just comic book type esque yeah. deal. It's not like a Max bad. Payne, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not bad. I yeah. mean, <laughs> that's better than like what story uh, Formula One has. Is just uh, you're a handsome, rich, young millionaire who <laughs> drives fast cars. That's the that's the story. No matter you play as Max Verstappen or Charles Leclerc or Lewis Hamilton, you're just a handsome young man with a lot of money and you drive fast car. I mean, Formula One has a story mode as well, and it's a pretty of all the sports game that has a story mode, I think Formula One story mode is really, really good. Yeah. Like voice acting and everything combined. But yeah, I definitely would recommend if you ever decide to pick up a controller or a wheel for that one, man. I mean I hope one day you do so you and I can race so I can show you all the skills I have learned, you know. And I'm pretty sure you'll, you'll blow me out the water, but. 
it's like, oh, hey, Ian. It's like, uh, come on, move over, man, man. It's just like, yeah, or not. <laughs> uh no nah, it's 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 a quick game to kind of learn it's not as complicated to be really honest but yeah it, it won't give you that kind of you know fun arcade feeling that you might have from like need for speed definitely but or forza horizon but mm. yeah it's definitely a game that i've sunk a lot of hour into yeah yeah so are you gonna play everspace 3 if it ever comes out i mean yeah sure you know i did i i I will play just about anything. I know during the break, I I was telling you how I played, uh, got the Gangs of Sherwood or whatever the hell. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll play whatever, but I do enjoy the Everspace series. So yeah, if they did make a third one, I'd definitely jump on it for sure. Yeah. We need to hold an intervention for you so yeah. that you don't purchase these kind of games again. Shitty games, yeah. Uh, well, at least you played it so that I don't have to play. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. We can get into that on the next podcast if you want. Hey, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, like we, we do have to decide what other games we want to play for you know upcoming other episodes and stuff. So we'll probably figure something out. Yeah, I'm looking forward to like this next episode. We'll cover the game awards and stuff like that. So yeah, well, we'll cover the game awards and see how that one goes. Yeah. So the next next one, the next podcast next week. So we got the Game Awards, what, on the 7th, correct? Yep, on 7th. Uh, it's on December 7th. How to watch and what to expect. Uh, <laughs> How to watch on Twitch. <laughs> on Twitch. Yeah. I need to create a Twitch account. That, no, you don't. Oh, no, you don't. Oh, you don't? No. Okay. Not to watch that. I used to I used to spend so many hours on Twitch back in the day. Like, I used to watch this uh, streamer called Man vs. Game back in yep. the day. Yep. I wonder if he still makes it. He know? probably but, still does. <laughs> yeah. I used to watch his ghost uh, gameplay of uh, Dishonored, which was a crazy thing to watch somebody try to do. Because, like, that's the one where you have to be 100% sneak mm. and 100% non-lethal. And... <laughs> He had, like, in just one single mission, he makes so many mistakes. It was, like, <laughs> brutal to watch somebody try to get this achievement. It's like, oh, man. But it's so much fun, too. It was a lot of fun. So, yeah. So, we will cover the Game Awards 2023 for the next week's episode. Um, I'll watch it on Twitch, and we'll see what kind of trailers, what kind of awards are being presented, what kind of festivities are being held. It would be a pretty nice thing to cover. This will be my first time watching an award show for video games. So there's, they're doing things a little bit differently. I don't remember what they said exactly they were doing differently, but it's going to be mostly the same. And what they usually do is they'll, they'll show a lot of trailers too. So I think we're going to see a lot of new trailers, which will be fantastic. Uh, yeah. I think, like I said uh, last podcast, I think we're going to see some Death Stranding stuff. Hopefully we'll see some Dragon's Dogma. Um, and there's, there's plenty more that's out there that we'll see. We, hell, we probably see, uh, Helldivers 2, uh, cause that comes out early next year. So they're going to show a lot of trailers, which will be cool. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of stuff to talk about. All right. So Ian, let's go ahead and wrap up our show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll start the wrap up then. Um, well, thank you everyone for listening. If you have in our second episode, as I said in the last episode, we're you know still on our way of roughing out any kind of edges that we might have on the show, and you know I really appreciate Ian again joining me for this uh, session. 
Uh, you can definitely reach out to us at highpingbastards at gmail.com if you have any kind of thing to say to us, uh, except threats. I won't, I won't take any threats from anybody. <laughs> no threats. <laughs> no threats, please. I'm a very sensitive person. I feel, I feel scared when I get threats. So read the if you have some things to say, you know, some constructive things to say, if you liked our episode or anything like that. I know we're still on the really early part of our podcast, so I doubt we have any listeners, but it's always good to leave a message at the end. So yeah, again, our email is hypingbastards at gmail.com. And Ian, you can let them know where to find you. So you can't find me anywhere. <laughs> no. Um, when I, if I get back to streaming on Twitch, sure. Um, but that's that's probably not going to be for quite some time. So the place that you're going to find me is right here with you, Ari, talking about video games every week on, well, we do it Monday, but you don't get it up until like Tuesday or Wednesday, but, you know, editing and all that. So every... Tuesday, right? Tuesday, Every Tuesday morning. I don't know why I do this kind of thing to myself. Yeah, you should be yeah, saying we'll, we'll do but... <laughs> no, no, but we'll, it'll give me a good discipline. So yeah, but we'll be able to close this episode out pretty soon. But yeah, thank you everyone for joining, and Ian, thank you for joining as well. Always a pleasure. 